Like, don't at me. Mike Silva of the Repertoire Network, just filling you all in on some updates. Uh, Don't at me, currently in the lab, working on some new content for you all, getting together some new formats, also some play by ear coming your way very soon. But in the meantime, I have the two episodes from Unsportsmanlike Conduct that posted this week. Uh, That's included on a binge here, kind of a repertoire binge. Go ahead and check out the links below. You're going to get NFL weekly content, a Tuesday podcast, a Thursday podcast, giving you picks, analysis, yeah, but hater segments. You got my top eight Super Bubble teams. Don't miss it. Check out the links below, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tune in. More Don't At Me coming your way very soon. But in the meantime, take a listen to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. After the play, Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Number 49 on the defense. Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Unsportsmanlike Conduct. All right, week one NFL action is now behind us. Great weekend, great opening weekend. Not too many surprises for me, but of course, plenty of things that uh, we didn't see coming, right? So, uh, first of all, Mike Silva here. This is Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Make sure you subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Going to give you our rapid reactions, my rapid reactions from week one. Hey, week one, weird things can happen. I'll say it was a little bit tame this year. Uh, I don't know if anybody could have seen the Saints-Packers game coming. I certainly didn't see that coming. I didn't see the Eagles game coming. Uh, so definitely surprises. I mean, that's definitely what part of... That's what uh, week one football is all about. Week two gets really weird, of course. You'll want to make sure to listen Thursday morning for a preview of week two. But before we get into that, hey, this is the time of the year where people will tend to overreact. Uh, all you can really do is use your eyes, right? And you've got one week of tape now behind you. Uh, preseason and off season is well, well behind us. It's game time. It's real now. Every team's got one game under their belt now, and it's time to sift through what could linger around throughout the season and what could just be a little flash in a bottle. So I'm going to give you three real reactions and three overreactions. I'm going to give you one, one, tit for tat, starting with real reactions. The Browns choked, and they will not get it done come playoff time. Okay, that's a real reaction. Let me support the case. So these two teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, faced each other in the second round of the playoffs last year. Browns coming off their first playoff win since Belichick, yeah, in the 90s. And, uh, you know, they, they 
embarrass the Steelers. They're feeling good about themselves. They go up against the Chiefs. And they're kind of lingering around. They're sticking around. End of the game, Mahomes gets a funky hit. Then all of a sudden, they're within punching distance. About 10 minutes left to go. Browns have the ball with a chance to go ahead and take the lead. And they just can't get it done. Mayfield comes up just short. You know, when the defense knows they're in a passing-only situation, things get difficult for him. They end up punting the ball away. And, uh, you know, Chad Henney ends up closing. All right, and then, of course, the rest is history. So let's take a look at what happened this Sunday. Week one, Chiefs went in heavily favored. I want to say they were like nine-and-a-half-point favorites at home. And uh, the Browns, nobody's expecting them to win. The Browns haven't won week one in 17 years. So, come on, this isn't any territory they're unfamiliar with. But if you watch the game, you'll see how devastatingly close they were to actually pulling it off. So, 22-10 to 10 lead midway through the third quarter. Browns have the ball. Nick Chubb fumbles. They're driving. They're driving. Fumbles the ball. Of course, you give the Chiefs life. Uh, then, next thing you know, Tyreek Hill. Of course, the inevitable happens, right? Breaks loose for a 75-yard pass. You know, how you don't play it like a like a home run hitter and just keep your safeties way the hell back, I don't understand. But, hey, they're without one of their starting corners because he – or defensive backs because he decided to big face one of the coaches uh, early on in the game. But either way, I digress. From there, you've got a muffed punt. Then Browns get the ball, two-minute drill. Baker Mayfield gets his opportunity to go down – and take the lead, win the game, interception. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they come up short. It's Browns football. Like, that's always going to happen. And I think this is a real reaction. I mean, they had the game. All those things unfolded. 12-point lead midway through the third. You, you, you know you can't win unless you score in the second half. Here's the problem. Browns only scored one time in the second half. Touchdown in the third quarter gave them the 29 points, uh, but that's it. You cannot win unless, first of all, you're scoring 30-plus. Second of all, you're scoring in the second half. So, you know, the Browns got to look at that and say, damn, they were really that close. And, I mean, it's only September, but this sometimes decides seeding. It decides uh, playoff ramifications, even the first week of the season. You know, now you've got one team, and I don't think the Browns are making a run for the the one seed or the bye, but you get one team that gets that bye that, you know, if they had any chance, now that's pretty much over, you know, because you're basically one and a half games behind the Chiefs by losing the tiebreaker to them. So they've got to be kicking themselves. They did a couple things well. I like that they were aggressive. They were three for four on fourth down, but on third down on defense, They allowed nine first downs. You can't give nine for 13 against the Chiefs, give them that many second chances and expect to win. So Browns, I think that, you know, my opinion to them remains as it was. They're going to be a wild card team. They're going to be scrappy. They might win a game or two. I think they're still a year away from really contending for a title. But, you know, we see it. Mayfield has his limitations, and they came up short. I think that we'll probably see more of that later down in the season. All right, now one of our overreactions. The Texans are a playoff team. Woo! No. Let's be real, guys. 
So Houston Texans, the laughing stock of the league, right? Deshaun Watson pretty much getting paid to ride the bench with all of his legal issues and wanting out. Uh, it's it's looked bleak, you know. It's uh, you know we've kind of become the laughing stock. You've got the whole Jack Easterby, uh, you know, Nick Casario, Dave Cully, this whole trio of new new faces that uh, just come in with all kind of bad bad pub. Um, well, I shouldn't say that necessarily. I mean, I know Dave Cully came in with high regard and whatnot, but they come on and, and automatically get onto the bad foot. Everybody says, oh, they might not win a game all year. Their over-under is the lowest in the league. Hey, they're going to the playoffs. No, I'm kidding. Overreaction. But let, let's look at this, though. They are a better team than I think people get them credit for. They've got a lot of pros. You've got Terod Taylor at quarterback. He's been around. He's played in the playoffs. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a decent stopgap. You've got uh, Mar- uh, Mark Ingram. He's been in the playoffs. He's been around. He's uh, you know, he's a vet now. Running back has been around. He might be a little bit over the hill, but he's a real pro. Rex Burkhead, Super Bowl winner, little utility back. You've got Philip Lindsay, who I think. Uh, got a sh- the short end of the stick in Denver. I mean, thousand yard season back to back to back. You got to keep the guy around. He can produce. David Johnson might have the injury bug, uh, you know, but he he can do some things in both the passing and the running game. You got Brandon Cooks, Danny Amendola. I uh, like this Nico Collins, and then uh, of course Aikens at tight end. All that to say, you've got decent players on offense. I don't think the Texans are going to just be you know, 0-16 from here on out. I think they'll win a couple of games, but they're still going to be in the running for the number one seed. Uh, What I will say is, Houston folks out there, uh, it'll be similar to the Rockets to me. I think it'll be a fun young team. They're not going to win a ton of games, but it'll at least be a team that you have some familiar faces with, somebody that you can root for, somebody you know that's going to go out there and fight. Uh, on top of all that, this was the game they had to win. This is the probably the worst team they're going to play all year. They're at home. Even though they were three-point dogs, you're playing a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback in their first game in the NFL. This is the one you have to have. But, I mean, look, the AFC South is pretty weak. I think Indy will win it, even though they'll get off to a slow start because of, you know, Wentz coming off, shaking off dust. Really brutal schedule to open the season. Uh, and then on top of that, the AFC is stacked. So the Texans, don't don't get crazy, folks. There, there's no chance the Texans are making the playoffs. But at least we got somebody in Houston that we know will always fight in any game. Second real reaction, the Green Bay Packers could be in trouble. All right, again, week one, you don't want to look too deep into things. I, before the season, figured they'd go about 11-6, and 10-7, go on, win their division, be a playoff team, lose to the Niners or something like that in the playoffs. That's how I see it unfolding. I, You know, my opinion remains unchanged, but this could get ugly. First of all, I thought the Saints would be, uh, you know, go under nine wins. I think that they've got a lot of talent, really good defense and offensive players, but with Michael Thomas out and Jameis Winston's mistake-prone issues – thought no chance well i look stupid after week one Jameis about a buck 50 passing five tds he looked flawless he didn't look like he was the mistake prone quarterback we were used to seeing 
the quarterback to play like that was actually Aaron Rodgers, who you never would think would play that crappy. He had the little, you know, man bun undone, frolicking his hair out underneath the, the helmet. But, uh, I mean, look, he comes into the season saying he's 50-50 on retirement. Uh, no connection, no chemistry. You know, it's really hard if you've got a leader of your team saying, you know, ah, you know, I kind of want... I, you know, all the shit that's out there, all, all his drama, all that he's aired out, you don't want to deal with that. That's a distraction. Uh, you know, you that's exactly why they faced a lot of the issues that they did. Um, I think it's no coincidence that the Saints pass rush, I mean, granted, they have a really good pass rush, good defense. I think it's kind of interesting, I'll say, that Rodgers was on his ass most of the game. You know, maybe the O-line says, hey, you know, fuck this guy. He wants out of here. I don't know about keeping him on his feet. I don't think they're going to just flat out let him get hit. But sometimes, you know, hey, send a message, right? Um, I, You know, the NFC North is still weak. I think that uh, the Lions, even though they showed a little bit of fight, more on them and a little bit here. Uh, the Bears, I mean, they're not awful, but they aren't really good teams. They're not playoff teams. The challenge for Green Bay, though, is their schedule. So, of course, they got to play their division, which I think they'll 6-0, and 5-1, 4-2. 4-2 is going to be the worst they'll play, uh, the, the worst they'll perform in their division. But you look outside of that, they have to play the AFC North. You know, that could be three playoff teams, and Cincinnati is no joke. You know, they're, they're going to be a good-bad team. I think they can beat anybody on any given day, but... You know, they're over under six and a half. So let's be realistic about it. And then on top of that, the NFC West. So they face Seattle, San Francisco, the Rams. They're going to play the Cardinals. More on them later. And then on top of that, their odd man out game, the one lucky game that they get to, to, you know, their additional 17th game, it's against the Chiefs. So, I mean, it it's you got to win games like that. You're playing the Saints in a neutral location, essentially. Uh, coming in heavily favored, two NFC title ga- title games. I mean, granted, they lose them, but Green Bay very much should have come in prepared. I don't know. I, I think they could be in trouble. They're still going to win the NFC North, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is just one of those years from hell. I don't know. We'll see. Next overreaction. The Eagles are winning the NFC East. Fly, Eagles, fly. No, let's calm down, everybody. First of all, it is a bad division. I will concede that, so why not? The Eagles could win it, right? I just don't know what they do very well. What do they do better than any other team in their division? I can't I can't think of like a strength on their team. Now they've got a lot of young players, a lot of young talent. Uh I'm sure they've got a couple of people still from the Super Bowl, although it's an entirely different culture, entirely different regime. Look, new head coach, Sirianni, a little bit strange, but hey, maybe he's exactly the Philly guy that they need. Uh, but you look at Dallas's offense, that's the best offense in the division. Washington's defense, best defense in the division. I just don't think that Philly will be able to overcome either of those. Now, I'll give Hurts credit. He looked really good. He played really well. He passed the ball well. He moved with his feet a little bit. The Eagles dominated the Falcons. That was something I definitely didn't see coming in week one. But I think we got to pump our brakes a little bit. Think about their schedule. 
So four of their next five games, Philly plays the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bucks. I mean, if you're going to be a playoff team or in the division, even in the shitty NFC East, you still got to go at least two and two on those. And the other game that I didn't mention in between that is Carolina, who's no, uh, you know, that won't be a walk in the park either. So, you know, they've got a new coach, entirely new system, but I, I, I still think it's more likely that we see Minshew before the end of the year than, than it is for the Eagles to win that division. Real reaction. The last one I have. The Cardinals looked good. Hey, if there's one team I was really impressed with after week one and just kind of surprised me in a good way, it was the Cardinals. Now, you know, they had a, a what do you want to call this, a title run in the off season where they, you know, they won free agency, but oftentimes team who win free agency don't always do well later on in the season. Well, they bring in JJ Watt, they bring in AJ Green, and they lose Hassan Reddick, Patrick Peterson, who is definitely washed. Uh, but overall you look at the net and you say, okay, they've got a little bit older, but I don't know. They, they were six and three last year before finishing the season uh, missing the playoffs, uh, failing to win 10 games. I mean, they just seem kind of like flimsy to me, but they looked fast. Kyler Murray was all over the place. Uh, he made some incredible throws. There were some plays where, you know, he's scattering around on his feet, chucking the ball up. I mean, he threw a punt to Christian Kirk for the second touchdown of the game. Kyler Murray looked, looked really good. And then I started to think, all right, I still think, you know, the NFC West is is brutal. That I mean that that those could be four of the best teams in the in the conference, at least three of them, right? So Arizona I think is still a distant fourth, but I mean, that game gives me a little bit of pause. This is a real reaction I'm having. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I really feel this way where okay, the Cardinals, I don't think they're necessarily going to be the class of the division, but I think they could be a playoff team. So it got me thinking too. Okay, they might have finished the year uh, on a on a slow note, but Kyler Murray got hurt, and before he got hurt, they were six and three. He had twenty three seventy five passing yards, seventeen touchdowns, eight interceptions, and on top of that, six hundred four rushing yards and ten rushing scores. So I mean, he dude was balling before he got hurt. Their defense just looks fast, and you start looking at some of the names on the team and how well they play. You've got uh, Jones, Baker, Watt, all of them on defense. Chandler Jones had five sacks. So you've got a little bit of a pass rush. you got leadership in the secondary, maybe one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, you look a little bit further onto the offense. Okay, you got nice re- receiving core, Christian Kirk, D-Hop, you know, A.J. Green. Uh, running backs, question mark. You've got Chase Edmonds, and you've got Connor. So running backs, questionable, but hey – Arizona looked really fast, and I thought that them kind of whooping the Titans' ass like that was surprising. I don't think the Titans would be great, but you don't often see the Titans get their ass whooped, and they got their ass whooped. I'll give the Cardinals credit for that. Final overreaction. Kyle Shanahan can't close. I mean, this isn't, this isn't looking too great, though, right? Like, if you look at his his track record, but let's just recap everything that happened in this game because 
for those of you all listening, those who know me, I'm a Niners fan. I've always been a Niners fan my whole life. Uh, my favorite player of all time is Tom Brady. So my love for Brady kind of, you know, goes above all. Dude transcends every list. You know, other in future episodes, we'll do countdowns and lists and things like that. I'm not even going to include Brady because he transcends those lists. Don't at me. Anyway, Niners almost give me a heart attack. So they get up 38 to 10 on uh, on the Lions. They have as as much as a four touchdown lead. They have a 41 to 17 lead at the two minute warning. So they're by 24 points. With two minutes to go. Detroit has the ball. They punch it in right at the 153 mark. So now it's 41 to 25. Okay, that's fine. You know, shit happens. I remember actually watching this on the red zone. I was like, all right, well, they're going to get their garbage points. That's cool. I go to get a drink, come back, and I look. And I remembered the the, the running back, Jamal Williams, when he scored. That's what made the game 41-25. And then I see a pass to uh i see a pass to quintess cephas and i'm like wait what i thought they just scored what what happened so they get a touchdown right there boom and a two point and i'm like wait wait, wait. did i miss something clearly i did so they go up 41 to 25 the 49ers lions uh onside kick boom bloop, bloop, bounces right off the sure face of uh of george kittle Best hands, maybe one of the best tight ends, you know, top three in the league. Can't feel the onside kick. Bounces off his face. Lions get the ball, drive down, boom, touchdown to Cephas. And the two-point. On top of that, they get the two-point. And it's a toe-tapper in the right end of the end zone, 41-33. to I'm shitting my pants. So I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, Niners get the ball back. They're driving, driving, driving. Garoppolo hits Debo Samuel over the middle, who had a killer game, 180-plus yards, wrecked it. He breaks the yard, you know, breaks a little tackle, first down, and then bloop, oh, oh, shit, fumble. Uh, Lions recover. Uh, so the 49ers are now, uh, you know, on their heels. Their 24-point lead has evaporated to eight. Lions have the ball with a little over a minute and a half to go. Lions drive down, fortunately for 49ers fans and for, you know, the 49ers themselves, the Lions stall out with, uh, you know, about 20 seconds to go, but they stall out on the Niners' 24-yard line, so they came that close to tying it up, and uh, yeah, you look at Shanahan's record, and at this point, it's questionable. You've got Super Bowl 54, which... Still hurts to think about. Uh, they're up twenty to ten with sixteen six thirteen to go. They give up three touchdowns from that point. In the last six minutes, they give up three touchdowns to the Chiefs. So that's a double digit lead that you blew. That's bad. <laughs> that's really bad. They, and it's fair for people to say, well, maybe he. Hmm, that's interesting. As a standalone, that would have been bad. If you look at his last big mishap my one of the best days of my life which was the 28 to 3 patriots comeback oh bet aside from you know my wedding day and and my uh, son being born that's right there anyway what happens there offensive coordinator for the falcons they have a 28 to 3 lead 17 minutes left in the game boom gone 
<laughs> you know, we can we can recap Julio Jones, toe tapper, and you know holdings and a bunch of bad sacks and you know running plays, whatever gives Patriots second life. Yada 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 yada. This looks really bad for Shanahan, but you know you look at this. My worry about this team is that they're very they're playing very complacent. They're almost they're playing like they are champs or like oh well the last time we were all healthy we were in the Super Bowl which is true that is true but it's not a given. You can't just go out there and you're playing in the in the National Football League against professionals who play fo- football for a living. So you can't assume you're just going to go in there and because you're the better team, automatically win. That's not going to happen. That's my concern. So I don't know necessarily that Shanahan is a choke. I don't think that he mismanaged the game. I think the team just got a little complacent, made some mistakes, let the Lions come back at home. You know, once you make one, two, three mistakes, then you're kind of reeling. They had a couple injuries. Jason Verrett likely out for the year, but Richard Sherman might come back. I mean, that's a that's a drop-off, I think, even though, you know, Sherm, all-time, you know, whatever. But anyway, I, the, the Niners kind of worry me, and especially when you think about how well the Cardinals played, that's where I'm kind of like, eh, we'll see. So those are my reactions and my overreactions, uh, real reactions, and then, you know, the real overreactions from week one. Coming right up, I'm going to do my yeah, but segment. Uh, don't go anywhere. Excuse me, I'm talking to you. Hey, <laughs> JK. But what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Jack Weiss from the Don't Envy Podcast. Do me a favor. Head over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button and get the chance, okay? The cool thing is when you subscribe, you'll be the first one to get all of our unfiltered takes on today's latest controversies, current events, Society and relationship talks from a guy's perspective right when it's published. How dope is that, right? So you can find our link on the show notes. Please help us grow. Spread the word about Don't Me and the rest of our repertoire family of podcasts. All right, let's get back to it. All right, back from the commercial break. Uh, the Yeah But segment. So what, what is this Yeah But segment? This is basically my hater corner, and I'm sure I'm going to have to disclaim this a million times, that it is entirely tongue-in-cheek. So, future listeners, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to disclaim this every time, but this is the episode where I establish it. I'm sure I'll let y'all know when y'all rip me for, is this guy fucking serious? Anyway, my yeah, but segment, I'm going to give you kind of my bullshit, yeah, this and this and this happened, but, and my first victim... So I want you all to think about uh, a scenario, all right? Let's say you're walking outside, minding your business, having a great day. You just had a cup of joe, right? A cup of coffee. You're feeling skipper. It's Saturday morning. You have no plans. You're just going to chill and enjoy the fresh air. It's fall, you know, so you got great weather out. You come across a $100 bill on the floor, okay? You take that $100 bill, say, huh, I got lucky today. I got this 100 in my pocket. What am I going to do with it? You could burn it, you know, spend it right away, do whatever the hell you want with it. But you decide to invest it. You invest it, I don't know, some kind of cryptocurrency, right? You you, you win big on crypto and uh, next thing you know, boom, you're a millionaire overnight. So let's take a second. Think about this. You're an overnight success, right? You're you're a millionaire because of your investment, your, your wise 
you know, playing the market, this, that, and the other. So would you say you were more lucky or more successful? Well, as you know, a lot of the time, success and luck go hand in hand. You've got my worst memory ever, the David Tyree catch. I mean, that's luck, skill. Luck and skill are, are very close relatives. So why do I bring this up? Well, we all know that Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, walks on water, right? So he's 11-0 in September, 35 touchdowns. This career career numbers for, for Mahomes, 11-0 winning winning record, 35 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 330 yards on average passing per game. Sensational, right? Sensational. Uh, All-time level shit. Yeah, but let's look at where his career started, right? So let's take a look at his surroundings. He joins a perennial playoff team with the Hall of Fame head coach in Andy Reid who's at least made it to a Super Bowl. He's got top five wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Definitely the fastest in the league. Maybe the fastest player ever. I don't know. I mean, he's ridiculous. Nobody can keep up with him. Uh, Best tight end in the league, you know, since Gronk is over the hill now. Even though Gronk's still top five, I would say, because of his run blocking. Um, Top five maybe ever, Kelsey. You know, I think Gronk's best ever. But, you know, hey, Kelsey could be top five ever. Uh, On top of that, you're going to a team that's very quarterback friendly. Um, Reason I bring all this up is, okay, he walks on water, but what happened with all the shit that went his favor, right? Think about all the things that happened against the Browns that were outside of his control. He needed two turnovers, a fumble, and an interception from Nick Chubb, who's usually sure-handed, and Mayfield, who, yeah, he makes mistakes, but look, he needed both of those turnovers. He needed a muffed punt. He needed his defense to allow just one score in the second half. And he needed all that to beat the lowly Browns at home in Kansas City when you're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And then I'll, t- I'll do you one better. Look at last year's playoff success. And I told you this to open the podcast. Who staved off the Surgeon Browns to close the game and send KC to the AFC title game? Chad Henney. It wasn't even Mahomes. It was Henney. It was Henney. So, yeah. uh, All right, I'll give it to Mahomes. So, yeah, the yeah, but segment of the week. Uh, More uh, lunacy to come. But I'm just saying, man, you think about the whole picture. I mean... Another day, another dollar, another episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct for you all. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Mike Silva. Uh, I'm assuming by now everybody listening has subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube or wherever they listen to podcasts. Also assuming that you rated and reviewed uh, five stars, right? Uh, I'm also assuming that you're sharing the word, uh, telling people, you know, hey, check out this Unsportsmanlike Conduct podcast. Pretty dope, pretty dope. Also assuming by now that you have connected with us on Instagram and Twitter, at the Rep Network, again, part of the Repertoire Podcast Network, uh, we also have Don't At Me, 
and play it by ear. Don't at me looks at society, taboos, and current events. Play it by ear, more of a hip-hop related podcast. A lot of content for those coming out soon. But thank you for joining. Thank you for joining for sure. Thank you for listening, giving me some of your attention, and uh, really just talking football with me because... Again, I said this the last couple episodes, it's the best time of the year, we got football season upon us, weather's going to start changing up soon, let's go, I'm ready, I'm ready man. So week one, as is the case every year, week one, some wonky shit happened, I tried to make sense of it all with some real reactions along with some silly overreactions you know not not things that i truly think but you know maybe some overreactions you'll hear from the media or your folks or people at the water cooler so i wanted to make sense of all those if you didn't catch that one that one's on the feed that one came out tuesday morning uh you'll see on there real reactions and overreactions from week one definitely check that out today we're looking ahead to week two Really, I say looking ahead, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's Thursday, so we've got a game tonight, which is, I hope you guys are sitting down for this one, the Washington football team versus the New York Giants. So that means we get superstar quarterbacks going head-to-head with backup Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones, and obviously, I'm tongue-in-cheek here, is the NFL pissed at us? Like, what did we do to deserve this kind of a Thursday night game, right? The the Washington, I almost said skins, almost, almost slipped right there. We've got an unnamed team with a quarterback who we've seen very little of going against the New York football giants, Daniel Jones, and all of his turnover problems. I mean, I'm lying if I say I'm not going to at least watch some of the game. But again, this is going to feel a little bit more like college football. But Anyway, we're looking ahead to week two. Got a couple of different, uh, you know, picks. I told you in the last episode I'd give you three. Well, change my mind. You actually get five. So I'm going to give you five picks. Then I also want to talk about my top eight. So we're going to start out today with the top eight teams in the NFL. I think it was Bill Parcells would always say that, you know, our team, meaning whoever he's coaching at the time, our team is up, up against eight teams, is one of eight teams that is competing for a championship. If you look at the, the league, 32 teams, if you think that more than 10 or so are, are realistically going to have a shot, it's a little bit crazy, right? It's about a quarter of the league has a legitimate chance to go in and win the title this year. And just to kind of keep it within, uh, you know, those listeners out there know about the MySpace days, TBT, you know, Gen Y nostalgia, millennial nostalgia. We're going to give you the top eight teams, all right? I'm going to give you the eight teams that I think as of today, that doesn't mean it's not going to change, definitely will change several times throughout the season. But as of today, in no particular order, also like the MySpace top eight, even though you could have the first person on the on you know far left, but people would kind of get you know sneaky and and uh, you know think whatever the case. I'm going to give you your top eight, no particular order, starting with the NFC. First up, Tampa Bay. Look, we're looking at the defending Super Bowl champs, and I'll I'll, I'll be real about it. They played like shit Thursday night. You know, they they played like they won the Super Bowl. They played like they were expecting. Dallas to roll over. 
they weren't expecting the offense that they saw. They weren't expecting Dak to just kind of pick up exactly where he left off on pace to throw for 6,000-some yards last year. That's not that's not going to happen. But nonetheless, Dak comes in, really wows, really impresses. I mean, he wasn't launching the ball down the field. A lot of it was underneath stuff, but still put ups, uh, puts up 400-plus yards uh, just about. The Dallas offense looked good. Tampa's defense looked a step slow. But again, I think a lot of that has to do with that Super Bowl hangover, you know, they, they still taste the champagne, fireworks show before the game. Tom was dialed in. He threw two picks. One was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Shouldn't count. Second was a tip off of, really the first one was a tip off of Leonard Fournette's hands. Tip shouldn't count. But look, the Bucks are going to compete throughout the year. They're going to win 13 games, I think, without much issue. So I still have them at the top, even though... They had four turnovers uh, in game one against Dallas. They found a way to get it done. The fact that they played like shit gave four second chances to Dallas uh, and still found a way to win that game is impressive to me. I think the defense, like always, is really slow to come around. I don't know what it was, but all last year you're watching Bucks fall behind really quickly. Uh, and then all of a sudden the defense decides to show up and shuts it down from there on. So I need to see the defense get off to better starts, but I feel really good about Tampa's chances of winning it again. L.A. How do you look the other way at the L.A. Rams? The Rams, who, if you've listened thus far, know they're my Super Bowl pick for this year. They were out of this world. I mean... Typically, you'll hear first game with the new quarterback. Maybe it goes a little bit, you know, sideways. Bullshit. Matt Stafford lit it up. Two big play touchdowns, 50-plus yards. That wasn't something you were getting a lot of in the past with Jared Goff. Stafford looks the part. He looks like a Sean McVay quarterback. He's going to come in, continue to fire the ball. I really like the Rams right now. They're still in that eight-man group, right? That eight-team group of possible contenders. Uh, the D is on another level, even though they've lost a lot of people in the secondary to you know over in the offseason. You've still got the best player in the league in Aaron Donald. Uh, that, that defense is going to be swarming. Chicago looked a little bit better against them than I would have imagined, especially with Andy Dalton. It seemed like... You know, Andy Dalton in typical Andy Dalton fashion was your 2020 quarterback. Dominates uh, in between 20-yard lines, but uh, doesn't have a much, uh, doesn't always punch it in and get you seven. I still like the Rams here. I, you know, I have questions about running back long-term. You know how the, the long season of attrition seems to play out. Got to get more balanced around playoff time. So I do wonder how they'll do without, uh, you know, with all the injuries that they've had at running back. They bring in Sonny Michelle. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how they do. But I still have them as my Super Bowl favorite. So, of course, they're in my number. They're in my top eight. Got Seattle also in there. The Seattle Seahawks. Look, Russell Wilson comes up, picks up right where he left off last year. You see uh, MVP caliber start to the year, exactly what we saw last year. They get off to this quick, undefeated start. They're letting Russ cook. All the, why hasn't Russ won an MVP before? Pundits are out and about, which, I mean, look, he's MVP caliber, but you go back and look, we had clear MVPs in all those years. Nonetheless, I digress. Seattle looked really good. The offense looked really good. 
You got a lot of consistency there. You've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in another year in the system. Uh, so I mean, they're no, they're far from young guys now, right? Like I mean, they're still young, they're youthful, but they're not wide-eyed. They know what they're doing. They're pros. Russ trusts them. He's going to continue to hit them. You've got Josh Gordon trying to jump back in the league. Who knows if anything happens with that? But when he does play, he makes at least somewhat of an impact. We saw that with the Pats. We saw that a little bit with Seattle before he was suspended again. Dude loves the reef, but what can you do about that? Uh, overall, Seattle looked really good. I really liked how quickly they got out. Uh, you know, Russ is working the ball deep. They're running the ball with Carson. Seattle looks like they'll be dangerous, and you can never bet against them in Seattle. So if they go as far as I think, I think they'll win that division, I think, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's another story, but still, they've got a chance here. They're one of those top eight teams. Uh, the defense has been a lot better than what they have been, you know, in a couple of years past. You know, it's it's not this, you had this vaunted Seattle defense that nobody wanted to play. Then a little bit of a, ah, well, you know, you can actually move the ball on them. They don't have as much of a pass rush. Uh, and then now, boom, fast forward to this year, defense looks a lot better. Uh, the O-line would give me some pause, especially with Dwayne Brown's contract situation. But overall, Seattle's going to be tough. They're going to be one of the teams standing there at the end of the year. Last but not least, in the NFC, I've got another NFC West division team. I've got the San Francisco 49ers. You know, I was tempted to think maybe Arizona in this spot. Uh, you know, I'm sure in the future, Green Bay will, will possibly jump into this spot. Uh, not after week one, though. I'm not giving them any credit. Look, the 49ers, when they were last healthy, were a Super Bowl team. <laughs> I know that I criticized them for knowing that and playing as such and assuming they were going to just destroy the, the Lions, which they did for uh, 58 minutes of the game. The 49ers are going to be good. They're, they're going to be right there at the end. They've got a really good offense. They scored 41 points, which was the top from week one. Uh, they've got really nice defense. They got a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk, who, even though he's a scratch last week, he'll come around. You've got uh, on the defensive side, Fred Warner. I mean, you got a lot of names. Bosa. The Niners are going to be there at the end of the year. They'll be a playoff team so long as they can stay healthy. And that is a gigantic asterisk that I will slap on this team. Uh, Raheem Mostert gets a knee injury ah you know he might go on ir ah maybe he'll be out a couple weeks well he announced he's out for the year so boom running back on right there shanahan has always found a way to produce in the running game uh, especially with the 49ers it seems like whoever they throw in there jamichael hasty uh mitchell the other night sermon so i mean they're gonna look I, I think they'll be okay at running back my question and the question that i always have with this team is quarterback what are you going to get from Jimmy? He played pretty well. I will say he played pretty well. And if you look at his winning record, he still wins 75% of the games he starts. But, you know, at the end of the game, when he's got to make those plays, we saw him barely miss Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. You know, if he makes that catch, maybe the Niners go on to win. Uh, but they'll be there at the end. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a contender. They are, as of now. I just want to make sure that they stay healthy and they continue to produce at the quarterback position. So shifting gears over to the AFC, 
This was hard. This was a lot harder than I thought, and uh, you could hear that when I did the AFC over-unders pod. It's really hard to find anybody that's going to compete with KC. KC, obviously, is in this is in this eight-team bubble. Um, I mean, look, they're down 12 points multiple times against the Browns in, in week one. They find a way to come back. They always find a way to come back. Their Super Bowl run, they were down double digits three times. Didn't matter. Mahomes and co. got it done. Andy Reid always seems to find a way. Uh, The Chiefs are going to be tough. They really are. You've still got Tyreek Hill. You've still got Travis Kelsey. You've still got Andy Reid calling the shots. Oh, and have I mentioned Patrick Mahomes, who is 11-0 with 35 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his career in September. So you can pretty much bank that they're going to go 3-0, 4-0 in September just because that's what they've become accustomed to, right? KC is going to be tough. They're going to be tough. The the one thing that I have, concerns I have with them, you can always say O-line, which they really shored up after last year's disappointing end of the season. But for me, it's the defense. When they needed to, they made their stops. And that's kind of been their story, similar to Tampa Bay. Uh, they allow a ton of points, 22 in the first half. They hold the Browns to seven points in the second half. Now, granted, Cleveland might have made it easy by going a little bit more conservative, but the one question I would have from KC is, can their defense start quick enough so that they don't have to pass the ball on every single down? Which, actually, probably a good problem to have, right? Putting the ball in Mahomes' hands every snap. Uh, Of course, they were out without Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. We'll see once those guys are healthy how this defense looks long-term. They're going to be really hard to compete with in the AFC. Next team that comes to mind, team I was just shitting on, the Browns. So, yes, they blew a game at KC that they had to have. Uh, Yes, they've done it now two years in a row where they come up just short. Ball in Baker Mayfield's hands with a chance to go ahead and possibly beat the Chiefs in their house. They fall short. Two in a row. Their last two games, the last two losses, have been against this Chiefs team. That being said, as long as the team that they're playing isn't named the Kansas City Chiefs, the Browns look pretty damn good. And even in those losses, they looked really good. The offense looked unstoppable. They're going to run the ball down your throat. Uh, You know, the defense gives up 33 in week one, but they didn't even really see the field at all in the preseason. So for them, they're still in preseason mode. There's been some turnover on the defensive side, so it's going to take some gelling, some getting used to. But Cleveland ultimately looked really good. The question mark there is, was, and always will be, are you going to get enough from the quarterback position? When the ball is in Baker Mayfield's hands and the defense knows they have to pass the ball to win – Can he get it done? So far, they haven't been able to, but I have confidence that they are still one of these eight teams in this title bubble. So I've got Cleveland in there as well. The last two spots, I really had to stretch to give these teams uh, credit. Uh, Like Cleveland, Buffalo is another team that has heard all offseason how great they are and how you know they really did well with free agency and oh they're the sexy team to take that next leap and you know hey if you need an AFC championship uh, an AFC Super Bowl uh, you know team 
that isn't the Chiefs, who's it going to be? It's got to be the Browns or the Bills, right? Man, they heard that shit all offseason, and that's how they played. They came out Sunday, and I actually had Pittsburgh winning that game as one of my few upsets from the weekend. Of course, I didn't post that because your boy's not perfect. But, uh, yeah, I, Buffalo all year heard about, okay, they're going to be the sexy team. They're going to find a way to get it done. Josh Allen, MVP caliber. Hey, I said it in the AFC over-unders pod, and I'll say it again. Can I see it in a second year from Josh Allen? Can I see it with a little bit more consistency? And this is actually a pretty good time to pause and quickly talk about why I feel that way. So as I mentioned last episode, and as you all know who know me personally, I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, I bought in entirely to the the lust and uh, allure that Colin Kaepernick was going to be. You've got this second-year guy who comes in for an injured Alex Smith. The league doesn't know what to do. They're on their heels. He pushes, gets them to the Super Bowl. They fall behind quick, and they fall just short of making a miraculous comeback. They lose 34-31 to the Ravens. The next year, same thing. All this hype. Okay, the 49ers, they're the team to beat. Well... They make it to the NFC title game as a wild card because Seattle surpassed them. And at the last, you know, you got, what, 35, 40 seconds to go. I think they had a timeout or two. It's been a while since I watched this game, but what happens? Kaepernick forces the ball. They're in the red zone, by the way, mind you, or just outside of it. Forces the ball into a tight window. Uh, Malcolm Smith tips it in the air. Richard Sherman picks it off. That's all she wrote. 49ers lose the game. We get our Sherman... Uh, soundbite where he's all in Crabtree's face and all that kind of stuff. Uh, next year, they start out 7-4, and 7-5, and five, somewhere in that range, and then boom, 8-8. Eight and eight. The next year, they are an awful team, don't make the playoffs, and that's pretty much all we heard from Kaepernick. So the, the trend that I saw is each and every year, the guy took a step backwards as opposed to forwards. Each and every year, my hopes went up to say, all right, this is the year. Yeah, Oh, he just had a slump this year. That first year is more the quarterback that we're going to get used to seeing. I don't know. We never saw it again. We'd see glimpses, but every single year, Kaepernick got worse. And this has nothing to do with the kneeling or any of the, you know, controversy or any of the, you know, uh, civil rights stuff that he did after that. Completely unrelated. I'm talking about just the player on the field. And that's why when I see players like Josh Allen, who are a little bit wobbly and then have one really good sensational year, which he did, I got to see it again. You don't go from 59% passing to 69% passing in a year's time, which he did. I'll give him credit for. So I'm sitting here thinking, all right, since that is such an anomaly that that kind of a delta exists, is he close to that 59% passer or 69% passer? Well, in the game against Pittsburgh, now granted, Pittsburgh's got a nice defense, he looked more like that 2019 and beyond, the the past Josh Allen. So the concerns I have about Buffalo, I got to see it again from Josh Allen. Now that people know what to expect from him or think, okay, now I'm going against a star caliber player, they're gonna the defense is going to play up for that. So I want to see if he can do it again, and I also need to see more from the defense, see if they can generate some pass rush. They haven't been able to do that. Last year, they really didn't put a lot of pressure on Ben, who, you know, 39 years old, 
basically runs as fast as I can walk. Um, nonetheless, I'll keep Buffalo in here. I still think they're the best team in the AFC East. I still think that they have one of the most well-rounded teams. But let's see what we get from Josh Allen. Let's see if we can get some pass rush from that defense. The last team in my Super Bubble was actually my AFC pick, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, week one, we saw Monday Night Football, right? Which I I actually, I was recording at halftime. The last episode was halftime. So, you know, of course, I didn't talk about it on the podcast, the wild finish that we had to that. But in typical, uh, I shouldn't even say typical Lamar fashion because he usually plays better with the lead than he does from behind. But they go up quickly, 14-0. Look like they're going to run away with the game at Vegas, you know, playing the Raiders. Uh, Phillips, one of the linemen, go down, who is one of many, many, many injuries that they have. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Marcus Peters, L.J. Fort. All these guys have torn ACLs. They're out for the year. And these are impact players. And all of this happened within the last three weeks. So part of me gives the Ravens... A little bit of a break saying you had that kind of attrition in that short of a time it's an early season the season is still very young what worried me though is Lamar was running for his life a lot of the time now him running is something that we've become used to because he's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks on his feet that we've ever seen but the Raiders got a lot of pressure on them. So, I, you know, the injuries on the Baltimore offensive line give me some worries. Uh, maybe the Raiders have a better pass rush than we would have thought. But I'm worried about that, right? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm the type to stick to my picks. I'm going to stick to Baltimore as my AFC pick, but I don't feel great about it. I got to see some stuff from Lamar, man. I really got to see him protect the ball better. Uh, you know, if you look at turnovers total – He had 13 all of last year. Tom Brady had 13 turnovers all of last year. Derek Carr himself fumbled the ball eight times last year amongst, you know, interceptions he also threw. So, relatively speaking, Lamar isn't this huge mistake-prone quarterback that maybe people try to paint him out to be. But I still see kind of some boneheaded plays every now and then. Like, man, get on the ground. Don't take a hit. Protect that ball. Don't let somebody punch it out like a loaf of bread, man. Uh, But I'll give Lamar even a little bit of a break. He's coming off his second time having COVID. And we see what that did to Cam last year. We saw the impact on some NBA players who got COVID. Took a while to get back, uh, back into the swing of things. Even with all that said, where the hell is the defense at, man? You give up 33 points to the Raiders. Not that the Raiders are some Joe Schmo team. I think they're about 500 caliber, you know, 8, 9, 9, and 8. 33 points. You have a field goal lead with 37 seconds to go. Granted, the the Raiders have two timeouts. uh, But still, the defense can't hold up. You got to make one stop. They can't get it done. They forced a turnover in overtime, the interception at the end zone, but that was really more of a you know deflected pass. It, it that wasn't oh defense made a good play. That was crazy shit happens. Derek Carr tip ball interception. So hey Baltimore, if I'm gonna keep you atop this list and in this you know top eight bubble, gotta see more from the defense, and I need to see Lamar play a little bit better with the ball. So those are my eight teams in the Super Bubble. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers, L.A. Rams, Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns, Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens. As I said, I'm sure that that number, the the teams will change quite a bit from now throughout the end of the year. But that's my super bubble as of now. So I'm going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, I'm going to give you five picks for the week, along with a couple of uh, possible surprise teams to go either 2-0 or 0-2. Don't go anywhere. Excuse me, I'm talking to you. Hey. <laughs> JK. But what's up, everybody? It's your boy Jacquees from the Don't Envy Podcast. Do me a favor. Head over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button and get the chance, okay? The cool thing is, when you subscribe, you'll be the first one to get all of our unfiltered takes on today's latest controversies, current events, society, and relationship talks from a guy's perspective right when it's published. How dope is that, right? So you can find our link on the show notes. Please help us grow. Spread the word about Don't At Me and the rest of our repertoire family of podcasts. All right, let's get back to it. All right, coming back from break. So we talked a lot about week one being one of those years that's just one of those parts of the year that's just out there. Week one, crazy shit can happen, kind of catch you off guard. Uh, this year wasn't as, as nuts as I would have thought. Now, as as of week one... My record is 11 and 5, okay? 11 and 5 on my picks. And as I mentioned before when I did the over/unders, I looked at every game for the season. So I did my week 1 picks, went 11 and 5. I had Pittsburgh upsetting Buffalo, but I can't talk too much shit because I also had Green Bay blowing out the Saints. I had the Falcons beating the Eagles and I had the Vikings beating the Bengals. So, hey, nobody comes out unscathed. 11 and 5 is a pretty good number. Um, and I also had Houston winning, but again, that's the only game that they, for sure, I felt confident about them winning all year. So something strange that will happen at the end of this week is you're going to have some, uh, you're going to see some people in the standings, some teams in the standings that are going to catch you by surprise. There's going to be some teams that are 0-2 that you wouldn't have thought. There are going to be some teams that are 2-0 and that you wouldn't have thought. Uh, in the past, way, way back, you start 0-2, you're pretty much not making the super, you're not making the playoffs. Uh, now you go into still unlikely, but you got about a twenty percent shot. Uh, some of the teams from recent history who went zero and two and still uh, picked things up and succeeded. We've got the Cowboys who kind of started this stat right in the Emmitt Smith Troy Aikman era. Start zero and two, finish thirteen and three, win the Super Bowl, and then. This pains me to say we've also got the Giants. Uh, the Giants, yeah, you, you know the year. I won't even say, but they beat my boy Tom in the Super Bowl. After an 0-2 start, they uh, they make the playoffs, and uh, they figure it out. So I mentioned that to say if you go 0-2, it's not the end of your season, but you're going to be looking up at a lot of ground to cover. So who are going to be some surprise 0-2 teams? Well, we've got a couple of candidates. Baltimore could very well fall to 0-2. The injury bug has bit them. They lost a heartbreaker on Monday night to the Vegas Raiders. And as a gift, they get to play the Kansas City Chiefs this week. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs, which sounds about right. Um... I, I'm worried about this game, and I'm worried about the Ravens for this. I think they could very easily fall to 0-2. Uh, 
but they might not be alone because another team that can go to 0-2 would be the Cleveland Browns. In the past, if you said Cleveland's 0-2, people would have said, oh, that makes sense. But with all the hype that they've come in with, all the Super Bowl talk, uh, them being 0-2 I think would certainly be a disappointment. Maybe not a complete surprise since they started with KC, but, I mean, that's going to give them a lot of ground to cover. So they they could possibly fall to 0-2. The Bills, they play the Dolphins this week, who, you know, eked out arguably a lucky win against the uh, against the Pats. But, look, that's going to be a good game. Bills could potentially fall to 0-2. Uh, and then last but not least, my team that I'm really concerned about, the Green Bay Packers, because of all the Rodgers distractions and – you know, 50-50 on retirement versus returning. You know, he's looking at Jeopardy. It's all a beautiful mystery. They could possibly go to 0-2. Now, they're playing Detroit, so that seems extremely unlikely. But those are four really good teams that are that are possibly going to go 0-2 after this weekend. On the flip side, who are some of the surprise 2-0 teams? Well, first of all, if the Texans get there, nobody would see that coming. I'm sure people might have guessed they'd win two games all year. They're playing a tough game, obviously, against the Browns. So I I, I don't think they get to 2-0. But obviously, if they did, everybody would be a little bit crazy about it. Oh, Texans 2-0. Let's not get excited. Too excited, I should say. Still isn't a great team. Still probably isn't a good team. But they could be 2-0 and shock some people. The Eagles. They play the 49ers, but there's a chance they can go 2-0. You know, last year, NFC East is one with a 7-9 record. Now we're looking at a team possibly going 2-0 to start it out with a new head coach, uh, not a new quarterback, but a really young quarterback with Jalen Hurts, who's in his first season as the starter, even though he did kind of take over at the end for Wentz last year. They'd be a surprise 2-0 team. And then Cincinnati. The Bengals, they beat the Vikings, which was a winnable game. You know, definitely uh, about even caliber teams, I would say. They win that game. They have a chance this week to go 2-0. They play the Bears, who look kind of like a mess. So there's actually a pretty decent chance the Bengals start out 2-0, which would make the the AFC North uh, very interesting. But with that, you know, it's going to be easy to overreact to any of those teams going 2-0 or 0-2, but I'm putting those on your radar. It's something to look out for, and of course, next episode, we'll talk about which of those teams fell to 0-2, which went to 2-0, and uh, or maybe none of the ones I mentioned did. So with that, our picks for week two. All right, first one involves two of the teams we just mentioned, the Texans and the Browns. So the Browns are going to win this game, but last I saw, it was a 12.5-point cover. 12.5-point spread. Are you kidding me? That's insane. 12.5 points is crazy to me. So I'm giving you the Texans to cover. Again, I don't think the Texans win that game, but I think it'd be very easy for them to cover a 12.5-point spread. Look, the Browns last year were 6-10 against the spread. On top of that, these two teams played last year. The Browns won 10-6. Now, Chubb basically laid down on the one-yard line to milk the clock. It would have been at least 16-6, but still, it was a close game. Close game all the way to the very end. 
they always seem to play each other pretty close. Cleveland likes to run the ball. They're not going to blow you up, blow you out on the offensive side, just throwing the ball down the field. So, I mean, even if they do get a lead, it's going to be one of those they just keep running the ball, ball control kind of thing. Not that they're saying, hey, we need to keep this high-flying Texans offense off the field. But Brown's going to do what they do best. They're going to run the ball. But again, I laid out the case in the last episode. The Texans have a lot of pros on their team. They have vets that have been around for a while. I'm, I'm not suggesting they're even going to go over their four wins win total for the year. But I think they'll cover 12.5 points. So I've got the Texans covering that 12.5 point spread. Falcons-Bucks. This is another crazy high spread. Double-digit spread. I'm seeing 12.5. Let's look at how these two teams played last year. First of all, divisional games are always a coin flip. The favorite will typically win, but you can't be surprised if you have, you know, a Jets beating the Patriots or you have, you know, a Bengals beating the Browns kind of thing. It happens. It happened last year. So I don't think the Falcons beat the Bucks, but 12 and a half points, I think it's very easy for them to get a, a backdoor cover. So last year, first time they play, the Falcons are up by 17. They have a 17-point lead going into the second half. Of course, the Bucks figured out, pull ahead, pull away, win the game. Uh, after that, it's a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter, the second time these teams matched up. It's a less than a touchdown lead the Bucks have going into the fourth quarter. Of course, Tampa won both of those games. But to suggest that they're going to have a 12.5-point margin over, Fal- over the Atlanta Falcons is kind of nutty to me. Now, granted, second game, they won 44-27. I, But, you know, that's the last game of the year. Everybody's kind of made up their minds what they're doing the rest of the season. This is a different story. This Atlanta team doesn't want to go 0-2. They have Arthur Smith. Uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't see anything from Atlanta that impressed me in week one. But it's a divisional foe. So I give them a chance to at least cover because that is a crazy high spread. Next up, I've got the Rams over the Colts. First of all, L.A. Rams will beat the Indianapolis Colts. At least that's, you know, my pick. Uh, Three and a half points as the spread. This is in Indianapolis. Uh, Typically, you know, home team will get that three-point margin. I'm surprised they have it at three and a half. That, That seems a little bit high to me for the Colts. I easily have the Rams covering that. Look, I laid out the case earlier. They've got a sensational defense with a great pass rush with the best player in the league on that side of the field. They've got Matt Stafford, who is lighting it up, and he's going to be playing indoors? Like, come on now. Stafford's going to light it up at Lucas Oil. Uh, You've got Wentz, Carson Wentz, still kind of shaking off some rust. Uh, He's going to be running for his life with Aaron Donald coming after him. I've got the Rams winning this one and, of course, covering the spread. Rams over Colts in Week 2. Next up, I've got the Cardinals at home for the Vikings. They're a four-point favorite, and I think that they cover. I think the cards – I take the cards over the Vikings minus four here. And why is that? Well, Minnesota looked really flat in Week 1. Granted, they go to an overtime game, uh, you know, on the road, but they looked flat to me. You've got Kirk Cousins 
unvaccinated. Now, whatever, wherever you stand on all of that is your own prerogative, but it kind of sets your team up for some challenges. If he were to get COVID, boom, team's quarterback situation is screwed for a while. Uh, there just seems to be some weird chemistry going on in that team. Obviously, the defensive side of the ball used to be a really strong unit coming off this year from a lot of injuries from last year. Uh, Arizona, I think, is playing as well as anybody right now. Uh, it's a home game for Arizona. We saw everything that Murray was able to do. The Vikings have tried to you know, reassemble and reconfigure their pass rush. Kyler Murray's going to be running around, chucking the ball. I've got the Cardinals winning that game. Look, look no further than the Vikings driving down to potentially take the lead or tie the game at the end of regulation against the Bengals. You've got third and long, and every time Cousins check down underneath. Hey, you can throw the ball 70% accurately if you're throwing five-yard passes uncontested every time. I don't think the check down is going to work. I think this high-flying, fast Cardinals defense is going to be all over the Vikings. I've got the Cardinals over the Vikings, minus four. Upset alert is upon us. I don't know that I have the balls to flat-out pick the upset. I definitely have the balls to pick the upset cover. Um, as a As a quick heads up i'm going to start tweeting out my picks before the game so again check it out on twitter at the rep network before game time sunday i'll let you know if i have the balls to make this pick or not but i've got the jets covering and they're plus six against the new england patriots so what's going on here jets are at home not that that matters huge right uh You've got Bill Belichick going against a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. So you're like, all right, well, maybe history tells us that he'll get it done. The thing is, history tells you that happens when you've got Brady and a team that just seems to be mentally sound, mentally strong. Cam was very easy for people to kind of make the scapegoat. Hey, you know, they're sloppy with the ball. He turns the ball over. I mean, they haven't played great Patriots football in a while. They didn't play very sharp against Miami. Tons of turnovers, losing the middle eight. So for those listening, the middle eight, of course, middle eight minutes of the game, final four of the first half, first four of the second half, they get outscored 10-0. That's not Belichick football. His whole goal is to win and dominate that middle eight, and they were able to do that with Brady for all these years. But, you know, just like you say, okay, Jets at home shouldn't be a huge advantage for the Jets. Okay, but you've also got Mac Jones on the road. You've got a rookie going to New York, right? His first road game. Now, everybody loved Mac Jones' first game. Everybody thought he was lights out, yada, yada, yada. I don't disagree. But that's a tough spot to be in, especially when the team has tons of fumbles. They're losing the middle eight. Uh, you know, Jets played them tough last year, too. The Jets had a 10-point lead in the first game, and then they were tied going into the fourth quarter of the second game. And that was with Flacco at quarterback for the Jets. So they had their backup, and even with that, Cam needed last-second heroics to win those games. Now again, Mac Jones isn't Cam, but a six-point spread on a Patriots team that hasn't proven anything to me, that's I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. So I've got the Jets covering 
Uh, of course, they are plus six against the Pats at home. At home, they're six point dogs. So that I don't I don't like the smell of that. I've got the Jets covering that. I might go as far as to pick them to win the game outright. Stay tuned on Twitter for the final pick. So that's that's the episode. That's uh, that's everything I got for you all today. So if you made it this far, thank you. That means it's been a good podcast. Give me a five stars. You know, rate review. Uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe. Also on YouTube, uh, video as of late has just been audio with a little, you know, sound waves on it. But we're gonna start getting some video footage in here, uh, get you some nice highlights and whatnot, some cool little visuals. But uh, be sure to tune in. We'll be back Tuesday with a Week Two recap. We'll look at our Yeah But Hater segment as well as the headlines and stories from Week Two. Don't miss that. Tune in, spread the word, and I'll catch you all next time. Peace. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs>